Hello, my name is Giselle Fox, I use she, her, or they, them pronouns, and welcome back to another episode of the Winfo Podcast. The Winfo Podcast is a mix of getting to know your fellow students, honest advice, and finding all the fun and creative ways you can work with informatics. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, just fill out the form linked in the Winfo Instagram bio, at UWWINFO. Alrighty, episode two, you guys. So for this episode, I had a really good time getting to know Thomas, Aaron, and Roshni. We start off pretty serious, but man oh man, do we just kind of like devolve into goofiness and then like crank it right back around. We get into some really interesting topics. Like uh, we touch on medication for mental health. We touch on what it's like to be a Chicano or international student in Washington. And then also like lime bikes and a snowman, baby. We got superpowers. What superpowers do you want? I'll tell you right now, there's a heated debate waiting for you towards the end of this episode about seagulls. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to listen. And also, honestly, I, I laughed. I teared up while editing this. You know, we got some real sweeties in here today. Oh yeah, and one more thing before we head off into the episode is that I am now Winfo's Director of Community Efforts. Very fun, very fun. It's a little bit more responsibility, and I'm still going to be on the Diversity Committee, but acting as the Director of Community Efforts. And all right, all right, okay, now into the episode. Hi guys, thank you so much for being on the Winfo podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to be here today. First thing I'd be interested in doing is just kind of going around and introducing yourselves. All right, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, my name is Thomas. I'm a I'm gonna be 21 soon, and you know I'm an info major specializing in data science. I actually just turned 21 yesterday, Thomas, and uh, I'm also an info major. Surprise, surprise. I also minor in education and entrepreneurship, and. Oh, I forgot to say my name is Eric. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> I'm Roshni. I'm a freshman and I'm 19. But yeah, I'm also like uh, a first year up for WINFO and part of the diversity committee, which is really cool. A topic that I'd really like to hit right now for today is mental health. And I kind of want to open this conversation with a really simple yet frustratingly complex question. How are you doing? I mean, I, I can start this conversation, I guess, because like for me, I honestly think I'm doing better than I have before because I know in in the past I used to be on medication for my depression, but then like all of a sudden my doctor like left town and then they wouldn't refill my prescriptions anymore. So I've been off of that for a while, but like for some reason, some magical reason, I'm actually doing a lot better and I feel like I have my mental health really in control. And so I'm kind of really happy about that. And like, you know, I've been able to like wake up at a reasonable time in the day and it's phenomenal, you know, being able to wake up is so crazy. It's just a great feeling because I know that like I'm able to now like do things that can now experience the day and not feel like every day only lasts like three hours. So I feel like I have so much more time to do so many more things, you know? Do you mind taking us through uh, what the path to getting medication was like? It- it's a sad path, actually. Like, so in my junior year of, I think, high school, that's like also the year I came out to my parents, right? That didn't go well at all. I kind of spiraled down that way and I began to like really fight with depression and it ended up actually getting pretty bad to the point where like even my parents were noticing as like with me as they were for you know not being straight it was like (laughs) they were like okay we you need help Thomas and you know we went to doctors to some counselors and eventually oh I ended up getting medicated and that helped a ton with medication you always have to be careful because sometimes you know it can backfire and then your depression can get worse sometimes because I know for me it did after a while. So I had to switch medications. It's kind of like this constant journey of you have to be like watching yourself and you have to have somebody kind of also watching over you because you may or may not be realizing how these things are negatively impacting you. And so it all begins with the first step of getting help and also having like a family network that really does care about you. Because I know I have some friends that really would benefit from either getting receiving counseling or medication but their parents just straight up don't believe in mental like health issues. So I, I think I'm really like privileged with the fact that my parents, like despite everything, were like, okay, let's go get you some help, son. I'm actually currently also on medication, son, but I think mine is getting a little bit better and has been for a while. My experience with medication, especially, sometimes I don't feel like I really like it. The, the reason is being that I sometimes just feel like not being myself within those medications. And I don't know what kind of me that I am presenting. That that feeling really sucks. Something that I kind of also struggle with is that I'm an international student. My parents are all the way back in Hong Kong, which is like a 14 something hours flight. And we just don't get to talk a lot. They have work. They're all 
both pretty busy. If I'm struggling with something, I don't necessarily want to bring out my friends because I don't want them to struggle as well, which is not the healthiest mentality ever. That's why I found going to therapies uh, actually helps a lot because you tell them and they're legally not allowed to share with other people. And it's just great to have a person to talk to who, you know, you, you just don't get that much reservation to. So, yeah. I, I don't want to say UW has a lot of good resources because it doesn't. Like, it takes me two months to get an appointment. And, like, every morning I call into, like, their counseling center when it was uh, still, like, two separate things, like, counseling center and call health. Like, like I call in at noon telling them that I couldn't sleep, I couldn't wake up on, in time, and say that, oh, you should try calling in a little bit earlier. I was like, that's my, that's exactly my problem. <laughs> what kind of, you know, effed up system is this? Um, so they don't have a really good support, but I feel like just uh, talking to the therapy that I have, and he's really awesome, and he really helps me a lot in just talking through my problems. Just, uh, it's a good feeling. No shame going to the third floor of Hot House and just, you know, talk to someone for a while. It's free. First time, so. Yeah. At what point after going to therapy and starting medication, did you guys start seeing like real difference and real change? I think for me, it took at least a couple months before I began to notice like my energy levels, like at least beginning to rise, you know, one weird thing that I noticed, at least with mine is if I would miss medication for like a week and then get back on it, my energy levels would shoot through the roof for like the next week and kind of a weird, like, like being able to do like everything and only needing like two hours of sleep kind of way. It's, it's a weird vibe, but like, I know definitely like after six weeks, I definitely was beginning to feel at least a little bit better, you know? Yeah. I think it took me around the same time, like a month and I got really lucky. I, I like in my first try, I got the medication that fits me really well Usually it takes people a few tries to get the medication that they like. So I got really lucky there. Yeah. And I'd also be interested in asking, are there any like indicators from your experience that you would say, like, if you notice this, you should might want to get help. Or if you notice this, this might be something that's wrong and you might want to get help. I don't know. I'm feeling like, like, on what, like there is, like, there's always your friends that can look out for you. And like, I know definitely having a solid friend, like network where they're realizing, hey, you really aren't acting like yourself. Are you okay? Or it's like, and there's also just some things that aren't normal, like sleeping like 16 hours a day. So, I mean, like if you're sleeping 16 hours a day, you might want to like at least get yourself like ha- have a checkup with yourself, you know, because that's what my issue was. And looking back at it, it's like, yeah, that really isn't the most healthy. It's definitely one of those things you do want to check up on. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a good person to talk yeah, on same. that issue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because it took me a long time to realize it. Maybe it's just my friend group, but uh, like when all my friends are hanging out, like uh, they're all like dudes and they really have this kind of, I I don't know if it's the right word to say, but like they have this stereotypes against like men's like, come on, dude, you're all right, man up a little bit. That, That kind of sucks. That took me a while to notice that it wasn't, you know, I don't have to just man up a little bit. Other things that I justify just, for myself like sleeping at like 2 3 even 4 a.m in the morning and waking up just four hours after that was back in high school so i go to high school and i would you know come back home just to sleep and would wake up at like 9 p.m something just to do my homework those are the stuff that's really like looking back that i should have realized and other stuff like eating disorder or distress eating, those are the stuff that I notice on my other friends who suffer from similar problems. So I, I, I don't know if there's uh, something that I could look back and say, oh, that's a point that I think just go downhill. But definitely those are the few indicators that I had. Roshni, as someone who doesn't go to therapy, I'd be interested in seeing how you navigate your emotions and how you talk to people and how you're able to like lean on people for that kind of support. I guess I'm kind of lucky in the way that I have my sister because like we're twins, right? And so we've been through a lot of the same experiences together. We've even taken the same classes in high school together. So like I have someone to talk to like 24-7 that like kind of understands me. I also, I don't know, I'm kind of a quiet person in general. I used to like keep everything internally and like not tell people 
but now is like a little bit better because like with so much focus, at least that I've I've learned about mental health in all of my classes since like sophomore year, like it was just like part of the curriculum. So like with that in that I've been like exposed to, I'm kind of finding other ways to express myself. Like I have this little book here that I like write everything down in no matter what it is. So it's like filled with everything and like I can write down what I'm feeling, like the next steps that I can take to maybe improve my situation. I also have something, okay, this is something that I believe. I know it's like very hard to do and I, it took me a long time to be able to do this, but I'm like, if something happened in the past, one, is there something I can do to fix it? If there isn't, then there's nothing I can do about it. So I just let it go. If I'm worried about something in the future, is there something that I can do to get me to where I want to be in the future? If so, then I'll do it. If there's not, then I'll let it go. There's nothing I can do. I think learning to let go of things is something that has really helped me manage my emotions and my mental health. Uh, Thomas and Aaron, do you guys have similar mental paths that you are able to use day to day similar to that? For me, it's like what Roshni mentioned with the whole like um, being able to let go. That's something I've been like always actively trying to work on. And like actually, Roshni, huge shout out to you for being act- actually able to do that. Like that's so like helpful as a, a skill to have. That's going to help you so much. And it's great that you've developed that skill actually. Because I, I know for me, I definitely had those stresses where it's like, like I recognize that I can't do anything to fix this, but I'm going to let this frustrate me and annoy me until it happens. And then that's it, you know? So it's like, yeah, why, why should, why do you bother like worrying about things that you know you can't change? Yeah, it took me, it took me a long time to get to that place, but it's just made everything so much more simple because I don't have to worry about things anymore. Yeah, that's so awesome. I don't think I have a particular task or like a strategy or something, but something that I do is just to pick up some side hobbies and setting up those small goals, like Recently, my roommate got one of those K-pop machine, coffee machine thing. And I just love waking up and making a coffee, a cup of coffee, because it's so easy now. That's something that I've been looking forward to every morning. And I love coffee. That's something that I truly enjoy. I also have other hobbies, like I sent postcards to random strangers, and I got postcards from random strangers. I love the stamps as well. I collect them. I know what a nerd uh, but <laughs> it's really fun and yeah it is beautiful uh, you got to see a lot of the history and all that kind of stuff within them it's also kind of family tradition thing so uh setting up those small goals to that you can achieve every day every week or every month helps me to push forward and not to say i don't think there's any meaning in life but uh, setting those small goals helps me to better realize what are the meaning of my short time on this planet Aaron, have you taken a philosophy class yet? Uh, no, but I did a program called IB, International Bachelorier. And that program actually helps me a lot to think about those kind of stuff. Do you have any like philosophy class recommendations? I've been looking forward to taking one. Uh, I took one my first quarter at UW, which I highly recommend doing for people who are coming in. Just to have that alongside all these other courses, which are like, you're supposed to know exactly what you want to do in your life. But I took an existentialism in film one. And there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of watching, and a lot of writing too. But it was really nice to start to think about, like, what do I find meaning in inherently without thinking about what other people want? Really great. I would recommend it for that, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, find your own meanings. Don't let other people define why you're here, right? Yeah, if we can kind of go into that, where do you guys kind of find that meaning in your life? Okay, okay I, guess, I guess I'll go first again. Okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, for me, actually, I'm thinking like it's leaning more towards community enrichment because it's like growing up, like all my parents, like my entire family's teachers, right? Growing up and seeing that kind of like nurturing kind of side of everybody in my family and seeing how like they're really helping the community that's kind of ingrained in me the sense of like, okay, I got to help the, like, you know, helping the community is one of the best things you can do. Like, you know, like as a Chicano, it's like everything's a bit like harder and for us since like we're kind of underrepresented in the STEM fields. So what I kind of want to do down the line with my life is help enrich, you know, my hometown, help enrich their computer science and STEM education systems, you know, through whatever knowledge I'm gaining in whatever industry I go into. Another class recommendation, like taking like a Chicano studies course, or at least a course that helps you relate to like what it's like to be as like 
a minority in America because you know those experiences they're they're unique and weird you're not enough of one you're not enough of the other and so you're kind of stuck in this awkward middle ground of like not being enough of your culture but also not being enough of like not being enough of a white American to be like fully in quotes American you know learning about that and, and having those feelings validated and knowing that there is a community out there that really that really helps you figure out like what you want to do and how you really fit into this giant puzzle and and then for me what I learned is that like there's a community of people out there like me who are confused who don't feel like they necessarily belong to one culture or the other and that like by growing that community for them they can begin to realize that yeah they aren't one or the other they're a mix of the both and so that's why they kind of have to embrace that like as much as your parents may be like oh man you're so americanized what the heck man you gotta be like yeah that's just how it is i'm i I was raised in america you know it's gonna be a different culture of course but like you can still partake in both of them and like grow because of both of your cultures thomas actually i also want to be a teacher that's super cool that your family's teachers and i also find that to be rather helpful in pushing me forward because I think teaching is a rather emotionally exhausting thing. Uh, you deal with a lot of situation and as a TA myself, hopefully not my student listen to this or if you are, hello, or former students, especially now that we're online. The only time they approach me is when they run into a problem, when they don't like the grading, they miss an assignment. And that could be really emotionally exhausting. But 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 what I find meaning though is that I remember helping uh, like one of my students to work on their informatic informatics application essay. They actually got in. I love that student. Uh, they're one of my favorites, and they're in here and they're telling me how much I've helped them. And I frankly I didn't really help that much because it's all of their efforts. That small pieces from time to time where you know, someone come back to you to say, hey, you made a, you know, rather biggish impact on my life. And I really appreciate you doing that. That helps me to, you know, be more focused on what I really want to do. Not that I'm, you know, motivated by praises and those kind of stuff, but they, they help me to realize that this is truly what I enjoy doing. Like as an international student, I moved around a lot in the U.S., I don't really have a home here, so I I pretty much got to pick whatever I go. I started my high school, actually middle school in Chicago, moved to Maryland for four years, and now I'm here. So just getting to know all those people, hearing about the different stories, and just talking to all of you guys and hearing about your stories uh, really, you know, helped me to realize that there's so much more that I can explore and just I'm naturally a pretty curious person and I ask a lot of questions and I talk a lot like you can't really stop me because I'm talking and like I can just go on forever and ever as you can probably see here and all those new things surrounds me helps me to be a little bit more excited about meeting new people even online like right now. I still don't know what I find meaning in. I don't have like a pathway that I'm like looking to pursue in the future or anything like that. Right now, I guess I would say the things that bring me joy in my life are like, you know, hanging out and talking with my friends, like figuring out what they're up to, reading. I love reading. I like learning about things. So I love watching documentaries and Jeopardy on Netflix. Like that's basically where I'm at right now. If anybody ever tells you you need to have an idea of what you want to do by X date, just know that that's bullshit because it's like you're on your own journey. Don't let anybody ever tell you that like that you need to know where you're going because it's like we're here for like a pretty long time. As long as you, I guess, eventually find what drives you, you know, like hell yeah. It's a it's a 2021 screw punishing people for not knowing what they want to do immediately. Me and my homies hate that. And I'd actually like to talk more about uh, how you guys kind of go forward with curiosity. It's a very, I'm trying to make curiosity into a question. I don't exactly know how to do that. If you just want to talk more about it too, I'd be interested in that. I feel like is the more I learned about stuff, the more I realized that I don't know about stuff. I'm honest enough to say that I don't know stuff because I feel like I accept that and that's kind of, I, I just don't know that much stuff. And just hearing about different experiences, such as hearing from Thomas just now, like I didn't know what, is, what it feels like to grow up in America as a minority because I grew up in Asia and we're all Asian 
most of us are all Asian facts there. Uh, so like when I go to Chinese restaurant, I just go to restaurant. I don't go to Chinese restaurant because it's all Chinese facts there. Uh, so I think for me though, I think I took this class called online dating. It's one of the informatics elective. And during that class, I got to go on a lot of dating apps just like just to learn about their design and stuff like that, which is really fun. And through that process, I got to match with a lot of people and talk to them about their experience, which is really cool because after like, hey, how are you? I asked them, can I interview you about your experience on Tinder, Bumble, whatever, which is not something you hear on dating apps that often. And just talking to them and learning about how, what they're looking for, what they're dealing with on the dating apps, that part is just so fun because I got to run into people that I never imagined in my life that I would run into. And even with the postcards thing, just going a little bit off that, I send postcards and get postcards from all sorts of people that I would never ever imagine meeting in my life. This one is from a 40 years old single mother in Germany. How on earth would I meet a 40 years old single mother from Germany other than this way, right? That part really excites me just to, you know, all the different ways that you can meet people. And which is really, really funny because just staying in my room, I do feel very lonely sometimes, even with all those, you know, stuff that I have. But through those kind of loneliness, I can find a little bit of connections in between that I truly enjoy. Yeah, I really like the idea of serendipity when it comes to like putting yourself out there and then running into like random encounters and stuff like that. Would you guys be up for talking about serendipity really quick? Okay, stupid oh. question. <laughs> what exactly does serendipity mean? Yeah, serendipity. Um, you know what? I've been using it and I don't even know the definition. Let's see. Seren- Thank you, Thomas, for asking that. I just <laughs> want to point out that I, I also admit I don't know what what on earth that means. And Um, yeah, thank you, Thomas, for asking. I really appreciate (laughs) it. Yeah. So serendipity is the faculty or phenomenon of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. So finding valuable things that you aren't looking for along your path of life. This one is kind of a humorous one, but I have a more serious one after this. Two or three weeks ago, I can't remember. I was out walking my dog with my mom. We met one of our neighbors who also has a dog. And she accidentally threw her dog's ball up into a tree so the ball was like stuck up in the tree and fortunately for me I love climbing trees but my parents and my sister never let me do it because they're like what if you fall down and get hurt but this time um, my neighbor's ball was stuck in the tree so I was like I need to go climb this tree so I got to finally climb a tree like I got the ball down and everything she's like wow I didn't know people could climb trees which is really cool (laughs) it was also like it's been forever since I've actually climbed a tree but yeah that was fun another like thing with serendipity I feel like all of the people I've met that have helped me so much like along my way has been has been through serendipity like one of my friends I would have never met if we didn't move back to the U.S. from India, things like that. My teachers, like if I had never taken that class, my teacher, Miss Renchi, shout out if she's watching, if she's listening to this, but she's helped me so much. Like she got me involved with like STEM outreach. She like let me become a TA for her class, like things like that. And I don't think I would have like gotten where I am today without her. Even the people I've met, like, in the first two quarters in informatics, like, if I hadn't taken 290 with you, Giselle, I don't know if I would have known you, which would have been so sad. I can maybe keep that going. Uh, I always remember this encounter was, that was when I was a sophomore back in high school. I went to this Chick-fil-A. I ordered a chicken deluxe sandwich, fries, and chicken nuggets, which results in around, like, 20 dollars deal which is quite a lot considering that you know I was just a high school student and my parents are sponsoring me through all the expenses that I go with and I realized that I forgot my wallet I, I, I was almost like crying in the line I ordered already I got my one hand on the takeout bag and just trying to run I don't even know this very nice Oh, dude, I think I still can't remember him. He's like in his 50s wearing uh, cargo shorts and just a very, I don't know, like golf kind of shirts-ish. He said, oh, I can get it for you. I felt so bad. I told him to wait there. I could 
go back and get my wallet and pay back to him or get his number, figure out a way to pay back. And he told me that, no, it's okay. You know, I can just get it for you. You know, you just carry on this into the future. And it's just such a small thing. And it just keeps coming back to my mind. When I see someone who's not doing well or who's uh, needing help, I just try my best to extend my hands forward. Now, I have a couple also kind of like funny ones. So living in McMahon, my first couple years, just going up and down the elevators to like the nook or whatever, you always meet really fun people at like one in the morning. And I remember once my roommate, he bought a label maker. And so we had the genius idea of putting the word gullible on the ceiling. So that way, you know, <laughs> people like, haha, it says gullible on the ceiling. No, it doesn't. But then it does. It's just stupid moments like that. It's like, you know, it may not be like as serendipitous for like us, but for like for that one random person, I don't even know what they would have felt. It's like just that grab bag of emotions of getting owned like that when it does say gullible on the ceiling, <laughs> you know, it sucks because that college vibe of having dumb shit just happen to you on the regular like you, you can't get that on a remote environment like i told giselle before aaron and uh, roshni joined but one time me and my roommate when it snowed in our freshman year which was like 2018 that area when it was like the first snowmageddon we went out we built a snowman and we put a line bike inside of that snowman and i don't know if like anybody here ever listening to this will ever remember that it might have been on uh over heard at UW, but there's like a picture of like the line bike inside the snowman. Yeah, that was us. Do you do you know what I'm talking about, Aaron? I unfortunately do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we we got like we found like like a group of like eight other random people that were on their way to something else, and they helped us put this line bike inside of the snowman, and it was there for a good while. And this and the line bike threatened to call the cops on us because it was moving without being paid for. Fun fact: they do that. Yeah, it was weird. I'm gonna look this up. Hang on. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's like I think it's like 2018, 2019. I, I can yeah. find this too. Like it's it's one of those memories that like I'll cherish for a long time but just because it was really stupid. And yeah, I, I feel like like creating those dumb moments, not just for yourself, but for everybody else. Those are always like the funniest things that can happen, like like among the best things that you could be doing. Just just living for the yeah. bit. Yeah, I the image yeah. has been sent. Yeah, it it's just straight gorgeous. in the snowman. <laughs> it has like Yeah. Horns. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, like that's crazy. Line bikes are surprisingly heavy. Like you wouldn't <laughs> expect it, but those things weigh a ton. Are line bikes still a thing on the campus? I, I don't remember. I thought I, thought I don't they think got, line like, bike is a thing in Seattle anymore. I think it's just kind of gone. I think wait, there aren't there like scooters now? Because oh yeah, 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 like even in Redmond, like I saw one at the entrance of uh, Five Twenty Freeway, and I was like, who's going scootering? <laughs> Wait, 520? Like, they can scooter on the highway? It was, or, like, like right at the entrance. I don't know. Do they have to pay the fee to go through that thing? <laughs> like, <laughs> getting, like, a little dude to go stick it on top of that. That would be so fun. The existence of toll bridges also is kind of weird to me. Because, like, I'm guessing you've all lived on, like, the east or the west side of Washington. Yeah, like, on the east side, like, a toll bridge is does not exist, you know? It's weird because we're all like farmland and kind of desert over here. And it's like this side of Washington is so different than that side of Washington. Every time I go over there, it's always kind of like almost like a culture shock where it's like, dang, this, this side of Washington is really nothing like where I grew up. So the east side of Washington or the west side of Washington is the more conservative side. You know, growing up here, actually, I never really noticed that until like 2016 when all this election stuff started happening because all my schooling experience has been kind of like sheltered to be with other like chicanos and like latinos so i never really noticed how bad it was until i got to high school and there was like a bunch of like racists and like all that other fun stuff and i was like wow we really we really live in a society but then like yeah i i said it whatever uh but then you know <laughs> going over to the west side it's like it's just so different you know it's like it's like a different state it, it rains over there there's like more than three ethnicities of people that live over there you get to meet and experience so many different new things. Cause like over here, there's like, it's not diverse at all, really. Unless you go more towards like Pullman where there's like a college campus, but in the towns in the boonies, it's hard to like see a very huge and diverse population being able to go to like a big old city and like learn a lot about that. I think it's just a really cool and like unique experience coming from kind of smaller towns. Cause we have the Hanford site, and that's that's what we're known for. We always joke about how we're all going to get like radiation poisoning just because the Hanford site's right there, 
Yeah, that's the sad part. Yeah. You know, I thought I was going to have yeah. superpowers, but <laughs> didn't happen. Kind of disappointed. I wasted 21 years of my life here. What superpower would you like to have, yeah. Thomas? I would honestly say, like, shape-shifting. I think that'd be pretty cool. Wait, like sh- sh- shaping other people's shape or shaping your own shape? Shaping my own. Because, like, what if I could just be okay. a bird and then I could just, like, I don't know, fly somewhere, go to McDonald's easily. I don't know. Whatever birds do. <laughs> Shout out to seagulls. I love seagulls. I hate them. They steal, they steal my lunch, like, on Red Square. No, no. Have you ever, like, have you ever, like, touched a no, seagull? That, that's, like, I have it's, not. like, so wild. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do. I, I, you, you go to Ivar's, maybe. you can touch a seagull. It's insane. Oh, really? I mean, like, yeah. They're, they're, no, they, they, like, they get close to you because you have fries and shit, like, from Ivar's. And they're used True. to being fed there. Yeah. Next episode of the podcast is taking Aaron yeah. Oh, yeah. and I, I <laughs> they're recording Ivers. a touch of seagull. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, Aaron, it's great. It's great, Aaron. Like, like you can hold the French fry in your hand, and they'll come and try to eat it out of your hand. And then if you like get them close enough, you can almost like pet it, and it's just insane. Like, they're like seagulls are the rat of the sky, sure, but like they're just kind of pretty, you know? <laughs> they are pretty. They're also really mean, especially to me. The teriyaki fried rice. <laughs> I lost three out of five times I got it there. Really? How? Yes. Dang. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what is all the certain degree here? <laughs> oh. I was just showing with my friend and, you know, my lunch is here and I wasn't looking. Just a little bastard. Just I think, that, I think that's your own fault for letting your guard down. You're blaming the wit. <laughs> you should just, you know, put that on my when I become that Yuga president, just play that little bastard over and over. <laughs> yeah. Edit out like th- me saying Thomas's name, adding that little bastard. <laughs> Thomas little bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you're good. You're good. Yeah, we good. We good. But yeah, what what power would you have, Aaron? Ooh, you got me there. How about asking something easier? Like, I think hot dog is not a sandwich. If that helps. <laughs> yeah, cost stand as you know. Yeah, yeah. What an answer! Oh yeah, um, I feel like um, maybe like teleporting, so I I can go back home, like literal literal home and sleep, and come back mm. to school again. And well, I mean, I guess I have teleporting now because I was here ten minutes ago. Now I'm here talking. So yeah, what about you, Roshni? What what's, what superpower would you pick? Okay, I forgot what this is called, but where you can like talk to people with your mind, because I feel like that's the most useful power. Telepathy. Yeah, telepathy. There we go. Oh, oh my god! Do you want to broadcast to the world? It's like, Ooh. haha! I'm your overlord now. Please memo <laughs> Roshni five dollars for protection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. That, yeah, that I, mean, I would do that, but I feel like that's a lot of responsibility for me to take on. So I would have telepathy because I feel like that would be just useful if I'm like want to talk to my friend who's like not in front of me. I can just like think, hey, this. Also, I think that pineapple does does belong on pizza. And yes, you know, yes, you're absolutely right. You know, you're, you're from Italy, so you know. Any opinion? I I genuinely do not care. Genuinely, <laughs> it's whatever people want to. Tell I me. think they do, but they don't have to. I worked at Domino's for at least half a year. I can confidently say that one of the best toppings is pineapple. Actually. I feel like it adds like that unique just the slightly sweetness on like a mm-hmm. very pizza pizza ish thing. That part I really like. Yeah. But I'm not gonna order like a twelve inch pineapple pizza just for a party because everybody will hate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, Thomas, have ooh. there been any insane- Oh my god. Domino there's <laughs> there's uh, there's two that stick out to me. One time we had a timed order. So a timed order is when somebody orders it for the future, so you have time to prep it. They ordered like 27 large pizzas. Everybody was like doing the normal dinner rush while I was stuck making all these 27 large pizzas and like we like we have two ovens and one of the ovens for like 30 minutes is just making this one order. They didn't even tip, which is the worst part. But then at the there was another one where this guy just comes in, orders like an extra large, extra sauce, no cheese, pineapple black olive pizza. It's just this like it's just a crust with with like a shit ton of sauce on it, pineapples and black olives. And we're like, I guess this is this is what the people want. There's some things that you will get made fun of by the Domino's employees if you order. Like if you order the cheeseburger pizza, we will make fun of you because 
that does not What's look a cheeseburger <laughs> piece it's like it's gonna sound so gross and you're gonna also uh, agree with me actually okay. i don't want to know that like i'm telling you like, anyways we'll, okay no. so <laughs> so so as the sauce it's like this weird ketchup mustard mix and then american cheese beef provolone cheddar and tomato right but the beef is like the gross like like unseasoned Domino's beef, so it's not even that good. the The ketchup mustard sauce is this gross color. It's like, it's like this gross orange. You t- you but you eat this pizza and you're like, yeah, that tastes like a one dollar McDonald's cheeseburger. I don't know what I was expecting. Why did I order this? Yeah. Hopefully, if back in person again, I'll come to you asking for Domino advice. Oh yeah, dude. There's there's a meta to ordering at Domino's to make your order oh, wow. as cheap as possible. You never get a specialty oh, pizza. You figure out what's on that pizza. And you order that using the uh, large five topping carryout for nine ninety nine. There's no coupon for specialty pizzas, but like they have five, they all have five toppings. Instead of paying eighteen dollars, you could pay ten. There, there, there's an insane meta. Never buy garlic bread twists because it's the same amount of bread as the Parmesan bread bites, which are cheaper. Fun fact. Like, Wish you guys should do an episode on this. Like, just talk about like oh, acts yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm only good for Domino's knowledge. That's that's what I got going for me. You see, this is all an elaborate ruse to get a job in the Domino's IT team. If I get a job, Ex- you, everyone doesn't hear. Exactly. No, but I think <laughs> save money. Domino's company's good. They 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 like helping. They like being not assholes to their customers. So we kind of stand. Kind of stand is like the best oh, yeah. you can do, really, for a fast yeah. company. Yeah. So I think, I think the last time I had Domino's was like all the way back in 10th grade, which has been a while. But yeah, usually we go to like mods because everyone oh, yeah. likes it's better. pizza toppings. So, so mods is much easier. Uh, let me think. Last time I had Domino is, oh yeah, yesterday. So that's <laughs> My <awesome>. man. <laughs> I worked at Starbucks before and someone asked to have a hot cold brew, which kills me. And How, do, how does that work? <laughs> I didn't because I... I like my shift was ending. I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm gonna head out. But you gonna, you know, whoever comes next, I don't care. I mean, I guess you could like take the cold brew and then like stick it in the microwave. I don't know. Nope, that's what my manager told me as a joke. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I've never tried it before, though. Is yeah. it microwaving coffee like kind of like a sin because it makes it kind of grody? I have no idea, man. Like. That's like the forbidden areas that we don't talk mm. about. Yeah. What do you guys have like local coffee chains where you are? Because I know like at least where I am, there's like two major like brands. There's like Dutch Bros and Roasters Coffee. Except for Roasters Coffee kind of has finally collapsed and they sold themselves out to a different company. But like, do you guys have like any of those like coffee chain turf wars kind of deal or we have Mercury's in Redmond. Mercury. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the only like popular one that I know. I know like there's one Pete's Coffee. Um, oh yeah, Pete's Coffee. Here. That one, yeah, that one's in Seattle, right? Uh, yeah, there's there's one in Seattle. There's one in Redmond too, which is kind of weird because nobody goes there because um, you know we have Starbucks and <laughs> Mercury's right next door. Mercury's is great. I love your like Hawaii blonde coffee thing. Super sweet. I love Mercury's. Like the like the Starbucks frappuccinos always like make me nauseous. So I go to Mercury's and I have that like uh, strawberry blended something, but it's really good. I think one other topic that you guys sent in with the form was um, the importance of diversity classes. I think they really help mm-hmm. you understand why, why it's important to not be passive. Because with all these diversity classes, at least from all the ones I've taken, the, the general consensus is... Like, you have to fight in order to not be trampled over by some rich old white dude, you know? Whether it's, like, whether it's fighting for labor rights or whether it's, like, trying to, like, not get absolutely murked during the AIDS crisis. Like, if you're not fighting for yourself, then, like, who is? Especially since they, like, since if you're, like, seen as a minority or if you're seen as, like, an undesirable group of the population, like... It's it's a tough lesson, but sticking up for yourself and like fighting for what you believe in and for your own self preservation, those are important lessons to like learn from. They can really help guide you and and figuring out what you want to do with your life and figuring out where you where you kind of belong in this weird fucking world. Yeah, yeah. totally. I I think one other thing that uh, really makes me appreciate the diversity credit requirements here at UW is 
when I go back to my high school and visit, I was talking to my teacher and I was telling him that I've been learning about uh, like the history of the state of Washington and Native American that was here before like all of us came. He told me that he just never knew about those stuff. He, he, he asked me this great question in like a rhetorical way that I didn't know about this because why would I care? And I, I feel like that's such a great question because I personally, I feel really privileged growing up as I don't have a lot of doubts about my identity, my sexual orientation, my sexual identity, those kind of stuff. I never had any doubt about it. So I never really have to think about it. And I learned a lot about those stuff when I came to college. I learned about people's pronouns and the importance of those pronouns to them. I learned about what what they identify themselves with. I learned about why they identify themselves with some of that. And I got the chance to talk to a few wonderful friends of mine about their journey of figuring out who they actually are. And it's a part of them, right? I, I, I could ignore those parts and be like, uh, he's a buddy of mine. But for me, if I want to get them a little bit fuller, I want to get to know who they are outside of being just a friend or a colleague. I got to learn about those kind of stuff. And even in less diverse regions, probably Thomas where it come from, we still have those, you know, people who are there. They exist. We exist. Mm-hmm. And we're not just, you know, a statistic like two percent Asian in yeah. Americans demographic. We're not two. We're yay, us, right? And one thing I remember from my Info 200 class is that designing for minority is designing for all. So that's why, especially us in the tech major, when we go into future words, that we got to learn about those kind of stuff. I have been very privileged in that I grew up in a very diverse environment. So up until fourth grade, like from first grade to fourth grade, I lived in India. So I am Indian and, you know, I look like everyone else around me except for like maybe one or two international students because I went to an international school. But as soon as fourth grade hit, I was, I moved to back to America and I was thrust into a very white elementary school. But th- that was like a little bit of a culture shock. But, you know, I was able to make friends and things like that because I still, even while living in India, I thought of myself as American, right? I was born in America. I'm an American. That kind of like in middle and high school I was shown like a variety of different cultures because we had like so much of a larger school and like you can't really choose your classes or you can't really choose your groups that you end up with so you learn to respect people because if you're not going to then you're not going to work well with them you're not going to get what you need to do um, finished and so like I was very lucky in that I grew up in a very diverse and accepting environment I haven't faced like excessive amounts of racism or anything like that so I think that has really changed how I see other people because like I'm always interested in learning about different cultures like I think culture is something that helps identify ourselves but also it's not as different as people think there's a lot of ways that like seeing yourself being represented in the classes that you're taking can definitely help some people like find out their identity more. If I'm taking a class, I'm kind of calling myself out here. The first thing I'll do, like like if I turn on my video and I see other people turn on my their videos in class, I will like look for like the Indian people. I'll be like, I see you, you're there. It was more common in my high school classes than it is here, which is something that is interesting to me. Okay, okay. Like, on the same topic of seeing people like you, like, I totally, like, get that. And, like, it's so, it helps so much when you can see people like you. Because it's like, hell yeah, stand loud and proud for who you are and, like, what you believe in. And that also kind of ties me back into what I, what my goal in life is to, like, help enrich my own, like, hometown community. Because it's like, in all my info classes, I don't think I've really met other Latinos or Chicanos in them, to be absolutely honest. Like, I look for them, and I sometimes I see one, a last name that I was like, okay, that maybe is it, but I'm always, like, never sure. At the UW, the funniest thing is, um, I think the first time I met, like, like a bunch of, like, Latinos at once was taking a Chicano Studies course. It's just kind of surreal, because it's, like, not seeing people that you can, like, that you can easily identify as part of your culture. 
it definitely it's definitely a struggle at first and it's always like a bit of a burden to deal with sometimes but then like you really just sit there like damn yeah totally well another thing i want to say about diversity classes is that oh and why that should be for everyone is that i also grew up in asia i spent 13 years there my entire childhood essentially and I didn't know about racism until I come to the States. And one thing I'm extremely confused about racism or any sort of discrimination is how can you hate me when you don't even know me? You can call me whatever you want, but understanding who I am first could help you to justify that. If you, you know, had, you know, if you read through my history, if you learn about who I am, and you still want to call me derogatory terms? Go full on ahead, I suppose. For everyone, you should really learn about, you know, those different topics so you can actually know what they are rather than hating on something that you don't know. Uh, because I feel like a lot of our emotions comes from not knowing. And that's where hate generates, right? It is sad that, like Thomas said, that like I took an Asian American study course and we got a lot of Asian American in that course. And we should have more people to learn about other people's culture, other people's struggle. And I can confidently say that Asian Americans uh, struggle in this country is different from Indian Americans, Chicanos, Black Americans. We, we sometimes don't understand each other. I remember back in my freshman year, there was this bake sale by the college republican at UW. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were a bunch of, like, Korean-American and Chinese-American there supporting them. That's fair if you like small government, if you like all those, uh, like, a stronger fiscal policy. You sure can support Republicans. But I don't think they are supporting them for that reason. Even within our minority communities, we have different interests. And got to learn about that and understand what our own struggles are, what each other's struggles are. And that can help us to unite together and, you know, work towards a better future. That bakes all that year. That was such a weird experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so essentially there's this bill that was uh, going to turn back, like, the decision of banning. So essentially it's pro-affirmative action, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, essentially college... Republican at UW now is gone because like the state's college Republicans not recognizing them and they're not even officially a club. They organize this fake sale where they, so depending on your ethnicity and your gender, you get like different price. So I think like, I don't know, making up this Asian is two, white is 1.5, uh, Latinos one or something like that. If you're a woman, if you identify as woman, you get like 25 cents discount, something like that. Yeah, I feel like that's a, such a low effort way of protesting. Yeah, we just also got into some drama with that event too, because I, <laughs> I forgot what exactly he said. He said it, there's no substantial, like a visible amount of racism on campus. Yeah, yeah, he said he said that. And yeah, that's honestly like, it's such a, pr- he, he has, the privilege to not be able to be affected by it and like i don't know it was one of it's one of those things where you look at this and you're like you're looking at this affirmative action bake sale then you look at this white professor in the computer science department at the university of washington saying i don't see racism on campus and then it's just kind of a bra moment you're like 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 is this guy for real like is he like yeah he can teach though like in person he's such a he's not like the a sweet professor but he bakes cookies for Mm -hmm. like his students during finals and he also published this article saying that women don't code because they choose not to or or like they inherently can't or aren't programmed to something like that and yeah i just wonder what how does it make his tas feel and like women working for him I read that, and it seemed like he just missed the big point. He just, like, skipped over. A few steps, All he saw was, yeah. like, biology and where we're at now. And he kind of skipped over the middle part of, like, what we might be conditioned mm-hmm. to feel or, like, encouraged to do. And I was like, it seemed like he missed a little bit there. So <laughs> I'd have to reread it to make entirely sure, but that was my first impression, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like yeah. I wonder what his like peers think about it too, because it's like, yeah, like like other women in the, in the in that department. How do they feel knowing that there's like this head lecturer just being like, yeah, women aren't as good as coding at men, and it's just like, how you fucking react to that? Um, actually, and, in my two hundred class, we had to read Amy Ko's rebuttal to that, and it was, uh, it was yes. oh, she can write, Amy can write. I love, dude, it. yeah. <laughs> Thank God for Amy Ko. Like, she's carrying informatics, like, on her mm-hmm. back and, like, carrying it forward. My friend is actually taking 200 with Amy Co. And I'm so jealous. Like, oh, next quarter? Yeah, next gonna be, Hey, I'm going to be a TA, so oh. exciting. Lucky man. Yeah, I, I took her class when my first quarter at UW, and I got to TA for her again, like, a year ago, something like that. Super cool. She's a great professor. Oh, I have a question. What got you guys into info? Like, like, what class piqued your interest? Because I know for me, in my freshman year, I one of the only classes that was available was like Info 180, which is the introduction to data science one. I took that and then just haven't looked back. And that's that's my story about how I got into Info. What about you guys? I thought I was going to do a gap year. And then I, at the end, was like, no. <laughs> and so I went to Seattle Central for a year and then abruptly applied to UW. And I had no idea what was what I was interested in, I thought computer science, but I was like, I don't know, dude. And so I was looking, just like clicking on every single major that seemed interesting to me, reading through it, see what, seeing what was up. And informatics, I was like, I don't know, that seems boring. But then I clicked on it, looked at it, computer science with humanities, that seems a little more interesting. To be honest, UW was the only school I applied to. I applied straight into the informatics program. I don't have much of a tech background, so I was very surprised to get in got in i started taking the classes had a bit of an existential crisis but we are rounding that corner and i'm back in it so that's where i'm at with info how about you guys i think i can share mine next um i think i had a really great ta and really great professor during my first quarter taking info classes and i absolutely loved them they really encouraged me actually i met harky too uh during my first year she was really mean to me though she she essentially told me <laughs> tell me more yeah like i went to her for so we have this essay editing section like big session and she volunteered there i went up to her with uh thomas do you know harky by chance mm, i don't she's, think so um, she's giselle's and roshani's boss essentially no i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 she's my god no i actually don't know her <laughs> she she's a senior essentially but, but and i went up to her she read my essay and she told me that not the exact quote, but she essentially told me that there's nothing special about my essay. And I, I was like, okay, you're a freshman too. You get to tell me that. You've only been here for a year as long as I have. Like, you don't get to tell me shit. <laughs> I was so sad. And I, well, I mean, I went back to my, you know, apartment. I worked on it. I worked on it. And I got in. And now we're we're both director of diversity for Ayuga and Winfo. And uh, she's also doing capstone with me. So I've been seeing her like five days out of seven right now. We're good <laughs> friends. So, so essentially all those people, I, I, I kind of know I want to do something about tech. And I, I, I'm interested in informatics to kind of start with. All those people really like help me along the way and make me feel very welcome, even as a prospective student. So that's what got me into info. I had kind of a similar one to Harkis said she did hers in her in the last podcast so I was like staring at my computer and like trying to decide like what to apply to and I was like I don't want to do code all day because that's just not what I want to do um so I like looked around at the different departments and actually uh, like on the informatics website there's like these little like they did like little interviews of like people in informatics. Harkis is on there. And I read that because I was because I saw hers and I was like, oh, an Indian person. What do I what do I do? So I looked at hers and then uh, I also like looked at the different tracks and I was like, informatics sounds pretty cool. Um, so I like went ahead and applied and I got in and I'm absolutely loving my decision to apply to info instead of CS. That that video like the first video of what is informatics, like when you go into the mission website, I watched that, I have no idea. Like after watching that, I was as confused as I was before <laughs> watching that. Could any of you describe informatics to me right now? 
I got this. It's, uh, it's like computer science and sociology had a baby and computer science left. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's the official definition from now. Like my first mm-hmm. act of IUGA president just changed the description. <laughs> I'm going to start using that at, to describe informatics because nobody knows what informatics is. Yeah, your parents ever come up to you like, oh, what are you majoring in? Your a family friend wants to know informatics. What's that? That's in my experience. And then I just say, oh, I'm doing data science. And they're like, oh, okay. And then that's where the conversation ends. Yeah, I just tell people I, I do, like, like especially relatives, like my grandparents or aunts and uncles or something like that. Uh, I just say CS because my sister's also doing CS. So it's just like, oh, cool. You're both doing CS. <laughs> it, it's like CS, but we kind of like actually care about how we're affecting the world and how we're affecting minorities. As brutal as that statement is to the CS department, it's yeah. true. I mean, like, oh, they don't care. Yeah, yeah they don't yeah. care. Yeah, have you guys? I'm sure you have taken CS courses, and how have they kind of like differed from info? I feel like CS courses are they're a lot more technical, which you can definitely appreciate sometimes, but they're also a lot more brutal, which can definitely be like annoying too. I don't know. For me, it's like I I kind of wish info classes were a bit harder and a bit more like I'm not sure if it's higher level or lower level. But, like, a bit more into the nitty-gritty as to why stuff is the way it is, uh, which the CS department does well. But then the CS department also neglects to talk about the social impact of your work, which is potentially really dangerous if you're, like, not really caring about or not really thinking about the impact of what you're doing. There's, like, this weird balance. And also, shout-out to 143 for changing, finally, I guess. Which, because, you know, now it's no longer, like, the, that intense-ass weed-out course that makes you want to, like, die. But also, the fact that it's no longer that weed-out course is also show, showing that the CS department is no longer really caring about your grades in the college. And they're only really tr- transitioning to direct admits, which in and of itself punishes people for not knowing what they want to do when they come to college. So, I have a lot of beef about the CS department, pretty much. I, I think from more of the educational perspective is that the goal of the CSE department, or even info, you could argue that, is to produce industry talents. We take classes, essentially, when you say you took, say, CSE 373, you would say that it prepares you well for, like, a coding interview. It doesn't prepare prepare you well for coding or the actual job. It just prepares you all for the interview. Essentially, you could you can even extend to carry on to, to say a lot of the initiatives taken by big companies like Google, Amazon, or Facebook, they they do them because minority carries value because they want to post this on their website and that brings in capital. They bring in value. Having Thomas there, having Chicano there doesn't mean anything besides that number. They sponsor us. You, you go into the CS building, you get you know all of the rooms are sponsored so their values are just very like just ingrained into the department everybody goes out to work in software engineering not computer science right you don't get a lot of computer scientists coming out of you know computer cse department you get a lot of software engineers so i think that's one of the problems that i can see within just how the institution is wrong i've only taken one cse class which is currently 143 but from stories that I've heard in the past, I'm glad it is not a weed out class, especially because a lot of the concepts when you are learning them for the first or even in my case, like the second time, they're not easy, that easy to grasp. Like if I'm comparing it to a coding class that I've taken in informatics, which is 201, I feel like 201, even though it was like completely different teaching styles, 201 did go into like a little bit of the real world skills that we need. Like we kind of like looked into how do I find an API for something or how I use an API? How do I, what resources can I have to find databases, things like that versus CSC 143. Like I know it's just like an intro level class, but I think a lot of like software engineering is about learning how to fix problems by yourself. Like if you have a bug, you can't in like the real world, you can't like always go and ask a TA or a teacher like how to fix your bug. I feel like- Or Google the answer. Yeah, yeah, you can Google the answer or sometimes that doesn't work. So like, I think a lot of it is a 201 definitely taught me 
what I think are more real world applicable skills versus CSE 143. But I still enjoy both classes. Yeah, I can't say the same to that. But I, I, <laughs> Thomas, you might remember this, but the IPL, is, is it what it's called? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's essentially like the their office hour and tutoring center. You go in there, you ask anything, they don't answer your, your question with a straight answer. They'd be like, oh, you can look into here or we can't tell you this because, you know, essentially we're going to do the homework for you. I just want to say, why on earth are you here then? No, okay, well, I, to- I I disagree with that take. I think the fact that they don't give you the answer but point you in the right direction, I think that's better than giving you the answer. Because then you, because then once you find the answer, it's going to be ingrained in your mind. You're going to be like, I made this stupid mistake once, never again. Yeah, true. I think the most frustrating part is the the uh, the styling. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, the, like mm-hmm. Roshni, I, I don't think they enforce style the way that they did for us, but like basically on a homework assignment, you turn it in. And you'd get docked like two or three points from every assignment because you'd you'd mess up a tiny style guide thing that you wouldn't think of, or you had one line of redundant code that, and you just hate yourself for doing that. And then you end up the course with like a three five just because of style. Yeah, um, they do that, but I found a hack on Visual. If you code uh, with Visual Studios as your IDE, you can right click and say Format Code, and it will do everything for you. In high school, all of my coding classes. They're like, put the parentheses or put the brackets like on separate lines underneath your methods. And so that's just the way I like got used to coding. But over here, they're like, no, your brackets need to be on the next line, right? When you start your thing. So I always mess up on that. And like, I I don't even know why they care about grading it like that. But (laughs) I just like code how I want to and then format everything. So it's been a little bit easier. I mean, like I get the need for style, but it's like, hmm. No, I I don't get it. But like, no, no. Okay, have you ever had to look at somebody else's some code and there's nothing commented and everything is like out of whack? The variable names are all different casing and whatever, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? Because like, unfortunately, I have not get that chance. I okay, don't, I, but, I, I don't intend to get that dude, chance. Aaron, Aaron, what, Aaron, once you have that, once you experience that, you will you will thank oh, yeah. God for styling. Yeah, yeah totally. see, I appreciate it, but I also feel like I only appreciate it because it's been like drilled into me like you need your code to look pretty i think i'm the kind of person Mm -hmm. who would say i appreciate it another person and i don't do it myself (laughs) (laughs) so that's that right okay i think i'm gonna wrap us up for today any any last quick words of wisdom don't forget to sleep at least eight hours a day don't sleep more than 12 though if you can't control something and you're stressing about it it doesn't matter do you guys want to drop any instagram handles or are if people want to hang out after listening to this how would you want people hit to me up on twitter at the bread farm i post funny things sometimes um yeah that's it i don't know i think for me the best way is probably instagram and it's at roro shrikant uh you can go follow the iuga instagram page at iuga.info oh, and you can find me on there because yeah yeah, Mr. President. Thanks. Woo! Congrats on president, by he the way. You literally cannot vote yeah. <laughs> until, like, unless you vote for me, because I'm the only one, <laughs> which is kind of fucked up. <laughs> Alrighty, and with that, we have the second episode of the Winfo podcast under wraps. So, from this one, what really stuck out to me was our talk on medication earlier. I'm so goddamn grateful for them sharing what it was like and really demystifying the whole therapy process in general. I really wish um, I was more comfortable talking about it more and being more open about it. It really is something we should treat just like normal doctor's appointments, you know what I mean? And uh, funnily enough, since recording this episode, I actually also started medication for some touches of OCD that I've been dealing with. So, you know, we got fun times all around. (laughs) And, you know, just shout out to people who don't think they have enough symptoms to get help, by the way. You don't need to lose a limb to take an Advil or even get something checked out. Um, Like for me, uh, the OCD touches aren't uh, debilitating but you know I'm, I'm walking around the world with a at a two or three anxiety level basically at all times and that's gonna you know affect maybe I could I don't have to do that like I can get help take medication I'm starting to feel some differences already and it's kind of mind-blowing anyways <laughs> also love perpetuating the beef between the CSE department and the iSchool I really loved the way that Aaron talked about how diversity classes are a 
way for you to better get to know your friends um, and understand their experiences just beyond the surface level stuff. That was a really cool insight. Now I'm really excited about taking some diversity classes just like that. And honestly, we had some really great people on today. And if you want to be on the podcast and talk about things you're passionate about, you know what to do, baby. Feel free to sign up with the Google form and the Winfo Instagram page at UWWINFO. And we'll get you in rotation. We've got people booked up for a little bit. Um, and I haven't been the greatest at telling people like, hey, here's one you might be on. So you can submit it and then maybe down the line, you'll, you'll be contacted. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, have a lovely week, you guys. Um, I'll talk to you guys soon. We're thinking of doing podcasts every other week. We have some really good stuff queued up. Um, I love you very much. Yeah, see you around.